that's a post by my mind, that's a post-patriarchy era, if I am to say. I think it's big, and it's hyperbolic, but I'm a hyperbolic dude. For me, I think it's the most important innovation since the written word. I actually believe that. Mm. I, and the reason why I believe that is because the written word, by my mind, was like the start of patriarchy. Not in a bad way, in a good way. It gave us all this amazing shit. But in a world of infinite change, writing something down makes it indelible. And it says, this needs to be remembered. This is not just gonna blow by like the seasons do. We're gonna put this down and we're gonna remember this. And we were never gonna put that genie back in the bottle. As amazing as an innovation as it is, it does have these problems. Like who gets to write? Who gets to keep the books? Who maintains the libraries? Hierarchy is built into that. But now we were never gonna put the genie back in the bottle we can integrate beyond it because what blockchain means is that everyone keeps the records. Everyone can, can, can add to the records. We're all the librarians. And that to me is why from a spiritual perspective, I feel like it actually like brings like a, a, an epoch 5,000 years to a close and opens up the possibility for something totally new. And yeah, I'm just, I'm here for it a thousand percent. Welcome everybody to the Fake, fake Notes, notes podcast. Podcast, podcast, podcast. Sam Bodkin, part two. Yeah, we back. We back with we the back. homie. If you haven't listened to the first episode, we highly, highly recommend you go listen to it. He is the founder of Group Muse, and he has been a person on a mission to bring historical music into the present day in a way that not only keeps that art alive, but connects us to our more human past. And in this conversation, we talk a lot about history. We talk a lot about organizations, uh, specifically decentralized autonomous organizations and their potential to positively change the world. Sam is the founder of Group Muse, which has been creating music and opportunities and all these wonderful spaces, creating community for the past 10 years. And so he is, he's rooted in the past. He's rooted in Mother Earth, but he also wants to be part of the conversation of the future. And so we have some of that conversation. We're talking about blockchain and how it kind of fits in. And I'm so excited that Sam is there to be one of these leaders in this space to lead with his integrity and lead with his vision. And it's an awesome conversation. You're definitely going to love this one. Without further ado, let's get it. Part two with Sam Bodkin. So we've been talking a lot about the past and about the present. Let's talk yeah. a little bit about the future. Let's do it. Yeah, man. So I'm really curious about your discovery of blockchain technology and maybe uh, if you could list a little bit of like your philosophy or group music's philosophy on utilizing this this brand new technology that's it's in its nascent development right now yeah uh, absolutely i would love to i think about i think about it all the time um, <laughs> um, one thing i want to make really clear from the get go though before we get too deep in the, into the blockchain convo is that group news is a cooperative and we are, we are a worker-owned cooperative. We're also becoming a musician-owned, multi-stakeholder cooperative. So I am the founder of Group News and act as the de facto spokesperson. But blockchain is an incredibly fissile issue. It's controversial for a lot of folks. And 
as however like convinced I might be of blockchain's possibilities, that does not mean that that Group Muse is going to adopt a blockchain or like move move into the space. Okay, I think that it should, and I want it too. And so it's kind of like my job is to articulate why it feels important, why it fe- feels essential, and and the ecosystem has to come along on its own terms. And I actually do believe that at the end of the day, that ironically is what makes us such a perfect candidate for a blockchain, because we actually do have an ecosystem. It's a real decentralized ecosystem that has its own kind of essence. It's a garden that grows onto its own sort of logic. So I have my opinions and perspective on blockchain and what it might mean for group news. But I just want to really emphasize that that doesn't necessarily mean that that's where group news is at. It has to be an organic process that that the that the ecosystem moves into of its own accord. And part of the reason why that feels so important to say is because there are a lot of stakeholders in the group news community who are not like totally convinced of a blockchain future. And I don't want to get on a podcast and be like, hey, guess what, everyone? This is what we're doing. <laughs> it's a fait accompli. We already said it uh, like to the press. It's, it's just not like that at all. It really is. I have my, my dreams and ambitions for it. And other members of the team do. I am not at all alone on the team. We are a team of visionaries, but we're all in different places with it. We've all had different experiences with it. And and I'm not about to just try to like cram a, like a, a, a square peg into a round hole, mm-hmm. but rather just create this space for revelation, for like education, for coming of age in a time when we have basically been told that we don't deserve anything good. And here's something that's actually that actually could be really good. And we need to come to that possibility on our own terms. So I'm so excited to talk about blockchain, but I want to make very clear that it, it that it's my it's my own perspective. And I am on steering committee and I am founder of, of Group News, but what I say does not go in the least. It's an ongoing conversation. So yeah, happy to take any uh, to take any questions about that or anything else. <laughs> it, I, I love how you just described Group News. So when the signal cut out, I was like, oh, I'm going to skip past the business, oh, being for business versus nonprofit and all that. And then you immediately came back and segued into it. But what you just described, which I love, to some degree, Group, group News is operating like a DAO. It is a DAO. <laughs> like you're already <laughs> operating like a blockchain a where even though you're you're the you're the creator, you're the founder, but it's like, hey, it's not all up for me. I'm gonna advocate for it. Like all decentralized things, like yes. there are there is different hierarchies and we, we we naturally fall into that as humans, naturally need it. You know, if it, we we need Nobody's the program. <laughs> yeah, no one's fully in charge, but we need someone to like do the programming or say, hey, this is dangerous if you do it like this. Like Right. Let's have these balances. But in essence, you described somewhat of a decentralized organization uh, yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Group News is a protocol. That, that group News is it's a, it's a protocol. It's, okay. You bring these actors together and you do these three things and community follows. And, and so it's a protocol that allows for emergence to set a container to allow for something beautiful and utterly unique to emerge. Every group news is completely different. There's no way of like top down controlling for all the possible outcomes. And we have no interest in that. I agree with you completely. And that's group news has been on the path towards cooperativism for years before I knew Dick won about blockchain. We were all about that impulse to decentralize power in the classical music world. And I do feel that the COVID conundrum made so painfully clear how overdue that is Mm -hmm. when like all the classical music power in every city is concentrated into a few institutions that have 
that have all like the, the gatekeepers to every classical patron in town. If they can't open their doors because of public health issues, then Every musician in town is up Schitt's Creek with a turd for a paddle. There's there's nothing that anyone can do. There's There hasn't been an effort to decentralize this power and to say, okay, there are so many people in a city who love classical music. Right now, they're putting all of that energy and intention into one institution. But if we can do the work to actually distribute out that intention, and I do feel like Group News is, I can say without a doubt, the most sustained and serious effort to decentralize power in the classical music world and has been for almost a decade. So it's, it's such a natural fit. It's such a natural fit. And I agree. It is basically a DAO. It's basically a blockchain. It's like with each successive Group News, the meaning with each, with each, with each block that we add to the chain, the meaning of this cultural community deepens and it becomes yeah. something that's more resilient that more people have faith in oh now we've had six thousand group muses so six thousand the six thousand and first feels like that much more secure because it's drawing on this this past and i i i, I actually yeah i yeah it, it goes back to that that question of yeah honoring history and and i actually believe the blockchain to be a profoundly spiritual technology and for so many reasons that i'd be happy to get into but but yeah that's par part of its Part of its essence is how impossible it is to alienate the past from the present on blockchain. And like, that's, that's, that's magic. We need that so badly because the propaganda machine is constantly trying to erase our past mm -hmm. to make us forget that we've been here a hundred times before. Yo, it's so crazy. Like how you describe that for like cementing the history for the future and like the history in a transparent and honest way that Amen. acknowledges mistakes, that acknowledges glitches and bumps. I agree with you on so many points. Before we delve any deeper, for our Faking Notes listeners, our Faking fam, it, would it be possible for you to define what a DAO or a DAO is? Because I, I'm sure many people haven't really, they haven't figured it out yet. Yeah, DAO stands for a, a decentralized autonomous organization. And the idea is that basically, if you can uh, establish a set of protocols and incentivization mechanism, that you can get humans to energetically participate in an ecosystem for a particular purpose without needing centralized command and having faith that if you set the terms and you set the incentives effectively enough, like the emergent outcome will be more beautiful and, and in deeper integrity than anything that could be optimized for through centralized control. Because like human beings, at least modern humans, love to plan and love to pretend we know what's going to happen uh, in our heads, but we don't. And, and the more we try to like hold on to this has to go this way, so this can go this way, so we get this outcome, the more we find that that old expression, we make plans and God laughs. I feel that, that, that DAO is a perfect resolution to that conundrum by basically saying, like, we can set forth our values, we can set forth the structure, and then, and, and the incentives, which are obviously really important, because you have, you have to have an incentive structure such that people are, like, eager to energetically participate at a time when we need money to survive, um, that, that we can just have faith that if we do a good enough job setting the terms, that 
what we don't know exactly what will emerge, but it'll be beautiful and it'll be in integrity because uh, that's how nature actually works. And nature has innumerably many agents of their own essence that are working together in a field that has certain terms that are laid out from the very beginning, even if it's just like the laws of gravity or the, 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 the dictates of photosynthesis or whatever the heck it is, that we don't know exactly what the forest is going to look like, but it'll be beautiful. It'll be abundant. There'll be p- plenty of fruit <laughs> and it'll give us shade and it'll sequester carbon. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and, and so I guess that's kind of, that's how I see the decentralized autonomous organization. It's, it's setting the terms for an ecosystem that kind of has a purpose uh, and a premise to emerge on its own terms and to relinquish that bottom, that top down control that I think has, has really done uh, so much damage to the planet. Mm-hmm. That was a great explainer. And I think even just some like direct examples. So in blockchain, we've got these things called DeFi, decentralized finance. Think of it, it's bank on the blockchain. It's run, it's run by DAOs. So you suddenly you're using, you're getting banking done and you're also a board member on the bank. If I, right. <laughs> like, like the community's voting on something, should we increase Maybe. these loan percentages? Should we actually give more back to the bank so that they can hire developers to grow the bank? Should we stake this token? Should we do all these things? And you're having to say, if I called up Wells Fargo and I said, hey, uh, I'd like to reduce my fees, <laughs> I think it'd be better for everyone. How, how about how far there's do you no think like overdraft fee? Yeah. You're not even going to get a human on the phone. <laughs> They're, they're, they'll just put you through a maze of like, press three for press one for press one. Like, when I talk to a human, like there are no humans anymore. Yeah. <laughs> like, we'll process it's this in 10 to 15 days. days. Yeah. And so right, exactly. All the humans are on their golf courses. <laughs> right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I'm curious, yeah. of course, group views is, is functioning like a, kind of like a down now, but where do you see if if this goes through, if it's voted on by the members, where would you see blockchain fitting into group muse? I'll, I'll say I have spent uh, a lot of time thinking about what a currency might mean for uh, group muse, a muse coin. I have spent relatively less time thinking about what the DAO would look like and how it w- would work. It's also, it's just like such a vast world world and such a vast literature. And there's so much that's happening every day all the time. Yeah. So I'll speak to how I understand the potential for a cryptocurrency, like a Muse coin, to underpin our cultural ecosystem. Again, with the, the caveat that this is just my big mouth spouting hot air like I do as a double Libra. Um, <laughs> I'm a Libra too, bro. This is what, yeah. how we work. This is how we work, dude. This is how we this work. How we move the air and then the earthly signs can can plant the seeds. But we're just, we're just hot air. We're just, we're just hot. But you need hot air and you yeah, want dude. it to be like hot. <laughs> so it floats above the atmosphere. Bro. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. You freaking get it, dude. <laughs> so here's what I'll say about a muse coin. The basic premise of, of the currency would be like, okay, what what is a, well, now that tokens, that crypto allows us to tokenize what was before like ineffable ritual, what are the rituals that can underpin a reliable currency? What, what does underpin a reliable currency? How can you have faith 
in a dollar. You have faith in a dollar because at the end of the day, you expect the US government to get your back and say, this is what this is worth. And if you argue with that, we have 700 military bases all over the world that drones. have a bunch. Yeah, we've got drones. So like, <laughs> you got right. drones. What are you going to do, bro? <laughs> take the money. Yeah, take the fucking money. So the, the, the premise of a muse coin is basically this. The thinking would be at, in its simplest incarnation. At present, for people to RSVP to a group muse, it costs $5, right? What if instead of costing $5, you bought $5 worth of muse coins? Right. Uh, and from a user end perspective, you might not even know the difference. Yeah, you have a number in your wallet on your account that gets larger. But from your perspective, it's five dollars to RSVP. It's the same as it was before. But what it means from the perspective of the currency is there's perpetual upward pressure, perpetual demand, because there's this one utterly solid use case. And it's simple and it's wholesome and it's scalable and it's age old. Whether the towers fall or the oceans rise, people will continue to gather to listen to music in intimate ways. It's as durable a human ritual as I could possibly imagine. It's the oldest thing that we have ever done, perhaps. <laughs> is gather, and like you say, the cave drawings with, the, with music making on the wall from 40,000 years ago. And, and so the idea is that if we can bake the use case, the, the, like the, 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 the first level use case into the very fabric of the ecosystem, into the ritual, when you go to a group news, you RSVP for $5 worth of news coin. Then built into the protocol of the currency, is this is this notion that anytime someone plays a group muse, they receive an allotment of muse coin. Of course, they also receive any 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 U.S. dollar we could possibly gather for them. We we, we would never say like this is in, in lieu of dollars. No, of course not. Like people need to pay what's in their pockets, put it in the musicians' hats. They need to buy groceries tonight. But they would also get an allotment of muse coin. And the idea is now that they're stakeholders, really, they have an asset in this community. They have every incentive to get all of their friends to RSVP and all of their friends to host because anytime anyone RSVPs to a group muse, the value of the muse coin goes up, even if it's infinitesimally small, even if you wouldn't, it wouldn't register. But if 100,000 people a week are doing it, all of a sudden it puts perpetual upward pressure, upward demand on a currency that that I believe could serve as actually a, a reliable currency because culture and ritual have the power to stabilize what is otherwise very volatile. Everyone talking about the, the, the volatility of the crypto markets, I think that's totally right. That's 100% on point because the use cases thus far are, for the most part, not super grounded. The use case for Bitcoin at this point is pretty well grounded, if you want, like a transnational, untraceable transaction, et cetera, et cetera. Like, it, it, it's perfect for that use case. But ultimately, I feel that the wild fluctuations have more to do with like market caprices, hype speculation, booms and busts. Elon, and Musk. Elon Musk tweets, for example, Memes. it's kind of... Yeah, memes for for sure. And actually, Dogecoin is a perfect example of the power that culture can play in creating value, 100%. But it's meme culture. It's inherently like capricious. Everyone's like into it for a second and then poof, it goes because like that's the nature of memes. They come and go. But 
this music is defined by the fact that it's still around. That's what makes it great. The fact that it's been around for 300 years and it will be around for 300 more years, as long as we're around, as long as the planet's around and, or the, at least the biosphere's around. And so that, that's like the most basic premise and that, and that if we have a currency that we not only can incentivize musicians with, but also potentially incentivize hosts with, and, and for that matter, incentivize RSVPs with, because that's obviously the thing that really breaks. They're building the, the organization. Right. By doing literally. That. Right. They're building the organization. They're creating the value. And it's value that necessarily uplifts the, the creator community, necessarily uplifts artists that's baked into it. And I think a very fair knock on, on crypto at this point is it has created a huge amount of wealth for like white bros who are like tech heads and who are all up on Discord and Reddit. Bless them. Twitter. They brought the, and Twitter. Telegram. And yeah. Clubhouse. Talk and on. Telegram. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and like this community, like it's no knock. It's it's a beautiful thing that's been built. But I think now it's essential to start bringing artists into the fray, community builders into the fray, diverse actors in the human in the human drama so that it so that it doesn't just propagate the same kind of like value set that that I think has dominated the the world up until this point which is I think yeah very masculine techno utopic I would say very white vision of what imperialist libertarian utopia exactly exactly all those things like this this vision of and again I I tend to see things in terms of like yin and yang the the ascent versus the descent all about the ascent not enough about that kind of listening, more feminized aspect of the 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 descent. The, and so and yeah, so I I I I believe deeply that if this technology is going to deliver on its promise, it's because we build protocols that can put wealth in the hands of artists who have never had wealth before. That's never happened. So we don't actually know what society looks like, what capitalism looks like, if the people who have capital are not just Wall Street jockeys who have this grinding intensity and super weird values and like super competitive and work on expanding their hearts or their spiritual worlds at all, but instead put the val- put the money in the hands of artists, creators, people culture. who are listening, culture. Let me tell you something, bro. As Please. a black person in America, if you don't understand that the culture of America comes from black people and that it is commodified and sold by white people and repurposed by white people and none of the value goes back to the black people that origin or originated, this is, I really believe, a way that black people can get connected to capital in a, based off of our ability to build culture, our soul. Yeah. And so that's the fact that you said that is connecting to me so much. The fact that musicians and artists, by creating community, by creating culture, they can actually have a tangible asset that appreciates and value that they then can use to interact with the material world. Because art is more of the spiritual world. It's the intangible, but it's a connection between the two. And and that's what I love about it too, is that you can't be redlined or denied because of some credit score in decentralized finance that's not part of it <laughs> like they can't do it right. we're still working we'll vote on that though we're, we'll, yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll community but uh, pro, yeah. Yeah, pro, we'll enact the like some redlining but <laughs> but <laughs> but what is blockchain great at like the decentralization but a big part of that is origin 
Where did something come from? What's the first? It's immutable. It's tangible. And so for all these things that are created and then stolen later without any of the profits like coming back down, down like that's something that blockchain uh, can really do a great part of it. But what I like uh, for all three of us, like what we're aligned on it is that blockchain has been around a decade or so and it's, it's evolving, it's growing, but now it's an opportunity. It's the tech's kind of finally hitting a point to where you don't have to be super, super tech bro, understanding the code to get involved in this space. Like no wonder it was gate cap. It was, it was so complicated to buy a Bitcoin. Oh it was so unintuitive. It was so hidden away and kudos to them. They can write on their uh, penis shaped rockets. Into millions, space. Cap, millions and billions of yeah, dollars. And they dialed it in. Yeah. So good, <laughs> good for, for you. Them. But now good it's time them. and why I like. Uh, people like you, Sam, and what we're trying to, Drew and I are trying to do too, is that we see an opportunity. There's, yeah. there's this new, it's new, it's this new tech, and I, we just want to be part of the conversation to shape it. I don't want just tech bro rocket guys uh, on Twitter with going yes. to the moon to make more money to buy more cars. No, wait, we've built something great here. Yeah. This can be used for good. It's We yeah. even just brought this up in a recent conversation. Nuclear energy. Yeah. It's the same thing that created the bomb that can cause so much destruction. It's the same thing that can create energy. And then who knows where it can it can take us in outer space. We can take it in so many different directions. And I just see blockchain being the same. And so I want artists to be a part of that conversation and shaping it. As soon as possible. I don't want it in 20 years. I don't want 20 years artists yeah. to come in. No, no, like we need it now. I think for all of us on this call, like I just see like this, this can be it. This can be a part of it. It's not going to solve every issue. But I think this can take us in the right step from what it's granted to us. And we want I just want the right people to be part of the, the conversation. Yes. Yes. I, I, I couldn't agree more. And that ultimately what it what it can mean is that power in society for, for now, because economic power, as I understand it, has largely been predicated on like shares or stocks in an institution, right? That before the crypto movement, it was all like you built wealth by having a share or a bond of an institution. And love them or hate them, you cannot deny that an institution is an anti-ecological phenomenon. In an, on an earth of perpetual change, an institution desperately tries to cling to its own shape, its own structure, its own power arrangement that it, it, it ordained from its inception. And that becomes more pathological as the institution gets larger and the world continues to change. Now, with cryptocurrency, we have the possibility of building wealth not through a share in an institution, but a currency in an ecosystem of exchange. And to me, that makes it the most ecological technology we've ever happened upon. Look, proof of work aside, obviously, we're all yeah. moving to proof of stake, classic knock mm -hmm. on Bitcoin. Proof of history, yeah. proof of authority. There are other ways to do this. Yeah. 100%. There, there, there are so many. And I really believe that it is the most important ecological technology we've ever had because it allows us to build wealth in an ecologically sound way based on ecosystems of exchange, like I say, not shares in an institution which need to extract greater and greater profits as the years go on. It couldn't be simpler. A currency is valuable if people are buying and holding it, if it's changing hands. That's all it needs in order to build that wealth. And that's why I feel like, you know, people of the more, you could say, yin aspect, the more like feminized aspect, artists, 
people who are receptive listeners and who are uh, creative, inquisitive types, as opposed to like top down type A. Let's get the bolts down and suck as much profit out of this earth as we can in these last 15 years of the planet or whatever they're like. Like, like putting a tool of wealth uh, uh, generation in the hands of a community that kind of coheres with that orientation. It is more about like exchange, communion, transaction, transformation than it is about it, it being this like monolithic tower that sucks energy from the earth. Like it, it's a huge piece of, of what we've been missing, what we've been aching for. And there is this quite, and I, and I really welcome the skepticism. And I, and, and I think that's, that's that cold water on my hot air, which I totally appreciate because it keeps me calibrated and like inquisitive in this conversation. So I don't become just some sort of like foaming mouth zealot. But but truly yeah. for me, the question of, oh, is blockchain good? Is cryptocurrency good? That's up to me and you. That's, yeah. The technology mm -hmm. is agnostic. What matters now is who's part of the conversation. And if you count yourself out because of everyone who's been part of the conversation up until this point, we all lose. We yeah. all need to say, we have to be part of this conversation. Mm -hmm. This is the commons. This is the, uh, and, and definitionally so it's permissionless. Like that's part of what defines a cryptocurrency that anyone can join. So whoever's listening, please just don't count yourself out. If you are skeptical about its power, be there for the conversation, be part of it, figure out ways that it can benefit you and your community and what you want for your world, because these are the formative days. And if we're not here right now, right now, who knows how it'll grow? Who knows who will monopolize it? Not, I think it's inherently anti, like it, it, it inherently avoids monopolization, but I don't want to just take that as like a religious dictum. I want to say, okay, that's part of its strength and also be part of the conversation. Be here with it. And this is something I want to say before Trevor real quick, just to piggyback off of that. The players who are already the big players, the Facebooks, Amazon, Apple, Google, Microsoft, they're all looking at this already. And I'm sorry, they're not a very diverse, the leaders are not diverse. So it, it's straight up to your point. Every one of these organizations is like saying, hey, we're going to look at, we're looking to hire people in this space who know about this stuff. And then they will say, a week later, oh no, we're not starting our own cryptocurrency. Yeah. It's it's the smoke and mirrors. They are looking yeah. at this. JP Morgan yeah. Chase, they're trying to buy Bitcoin. This is happening. So yeah. it's not a matter of if, it's when. And I couldn't agree with you more that we need to be a part of this conversation now before they write us out. Because my heritage is of a people that have been written out after the wealth has been made. Mm. That's the fucking God's honest truth, brother. I was going to the say, I, there's a lot of diversity among them. Some have 180 billion and some have 160 <laughs> billion. Like that's you know, <laughs> 20 billion is a lot. <laughs> some just get into suborbital space and some get to go the whole way. So, you know, but I like how you described it. We want to be part of the conversation and mm -hmm. blockchains, each of these various types are sometimes described as their own nations so to speak yeah. they have their own yeah. currency their own yeah. language their own what they're good at and what what where they're starting from and to some degree just know and understand from history how important it is to be there at the beginning of that nation calling the shots we are still yeah. beholden 
to the little piece of paper that they whipped up in just the first couple years, and people are obsessed with it. Two hundred and sixty-five years later, like we, we, we can't even come on. Yeah, yeah. yeah. it's a <laughs> document. There's so many issues. There's so many issues. There are things about it that I can really respect. Absolutely. Oh, but it's like, amazing. But yeah, it's so many ways. But it's also fucked because of the people who wrote it and who they owned and how they understood human value. Like we cannot pretend that's not super fucking important and to an extent like undermines the fabric of the thing root and branch wholesale it's critical yeah inherently i was thinking it's absurd it's like why not try to improve things (laughs) like 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 like, it just blows my mind that people are obsessed uh, i think dan carlin mentioned it recently it's great he's like when you look back at history and and people you you do have to grade it on a curve like for their time right. like where is Thomas oh. Jefferson like ooh that's a really bad shit uh, but where would maybe where would he be now in this society he'd probably be at like the Watching. Black Lives Matter movement protest <laughs> that was Dan yeah. Carlin's thing he's like for the time you adjust it does it excuse it no but it is a point of understanding on that point of understanding I think it's just absurd that we can be like strictly beholden to something that was created by a bunch of twenty year olds. Who thought yeah. s- slaves were awesome? So like yeah. that's I'm proud of what you did. It's how we got here. But isn't the whole point to learn from the past and to grow and to evolve and to move forward? Mm-hmm. And yet we make it so difficult with the DAO, with our decentralized organization. You can have stake and claim in it now. The moment you arrive, you yeah. may not have as much voting power. You may not have accumulated the token, but you are involved in the process. The, the vote yeah. is up to everyone. Yeah. If we think about it, like America now. There are things that 90 plus percentage people are like are for, like some form of gun control, some form of negotiating prices with Medicare for prescription drugs. Like there are things that are wildly popular, wildly popular that just They're won't pass. And if you, if you can't pass the popular stuff, maybe you should, I don't know, look at what's going wrong. <laughs> well, about it. And here's, here's a, here's a proof of stake criticism that I have taken to heart. And I think is really something we should address. And why I think it may not even be the final form. If you look at our U S government, the way it's run and the, the policies that are enacted, it's from the people with the most tokens, the most U S dollars, mm-hmm. the people okay. who have the ear of our politicians and have economic interests to build their stake in whatever that is. So I'm not saying this is perfect. And I agree with that. Like that is more corruption of the same kind, right? So maybe proof of stake or the way you disseminate stake in that protocol is like super important. Another thing about the US, the, the, the Declaration of Independence and like the Constitution Bill of Rights is that they wrote it and why it's so different from every other founding document is because they wrote a clause in there that says we can change this shit over time. Right. Forgot about that. Most of, that's like the defining thing about right. our constitution, right? It, this, th- this shit can change. And yeah. so I think ha- in a DAO, having that baked in is taking the best of the past. But what we missed out on before and what we can have now is who has stake, how do they get stake, and what is their background and perspective? And can we find a way to where people of different perspectives who have strengths in different areas can have an equal amount of say? Because maybe we can prevent problems that one particular community doesn't know about, but another one sees on a day-to-day basis that could kill the protocol. These are all profoundly important aspects of a DAO and why I'm just like, I can see this really changing the world. 
oh yeah, I can too. I'm all in. I can't. When when the Muse Coin possibility came online for me, and I and I was like, oh wait, what? <laughs> like that's that's possible. Then then it was like it just became very clear that like I I have to spend my years in service of this possibility because it is bleak out there. It is fucking bleak out there. And actually, we're talking about like democracy and what people want and how it never registers at a policy level. There was a really compelling uh, study that came out of Princeton, I think it was 2014, that basically just like ran through the gamut and was like, here are things that the majority of people want and here are the things that the richest people want and here are outcomes. And and the the conclusion was inescapable. It's just not at all accurate to describe the United States as a democracy. It's just not at all. It's an oligarchy. It's just, that's just the way that it works. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like we either have to really change, like change gears or start seriously investing in possibilities that can render these dated dinosaurs obsolete uh, or just less important. And I do think that core to the function of the state is maintaining the integrity of a currency. And and now that we have the math to nullify that need and render it perfectly transparent for, for all the world to see, it's the state's not yet necessary in the way that it used to be. And that's really, that's a really good thing. I think that's, that's a really existential crisis for Jerome Powell and the white <laughs> house and shit though. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's true, but we can just, we can just pay them off. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, that's, just give like, them tokens. Like, just give yeah, them tokens. Hey, I pay my taxes, coin. bro. That's literally the just bribe. It's just like, here, here's my taxes, bro. Buzz off. Just um, make sure I have healthcare. Shit. Yeah. <laughs> Right. Yeah. I don't know. That's part of when we talk about like, how is this actually going to change things in like in a government with a state apparatus that is like probably committed to this command control economy and and structure of governance? I I tend to think we're an intensely capitalist country. The people who have capital have the power. The people who have capital write the bills. And all the people who have capital are people like we were saying earlier, have this very specific set of values. If we can generate substantial resources in the hands of people who have a much more kind of like ecologically sound set of interests and values, then like our machinery is actually built to respond to those people. If we can have like staking pools, essentially, and I do feel like staking pools, they they go some way in addressing the oligarchic problem of proof of stake by saying that like, basically like anyone can pay into a staking pool, which I think is cool if we can have yeah basically like pools of resources that are deployed to get a piece of legislation passed we have a hundred million us dollars worth of coin behind this push to do x y and z thing actually the machinery is really well built to address to to accommodate those needs i actually don't think the us government's broken at all i think it's doing exactly what it's built to do yeah Mm -hmm. And now we have a technology where we can ascend to those terms and have a seat at at the table on those terms. I don't think it's a long-term solution, but I think that it could very well get us to a place where we are out of this, we can get out of this profound existential pickle, which could be curtains in 15 years if we don't get our shit together. It's like how they used to say in the movie industry, you can't have a black cast, a black lead, you can't and have a financially sound movie and then black panther came to one billion dollars oh shit (laughs) and now they got like they got this new marvel movie that's just a whole bunch of asian it's a big asian cast and they're like oh shit it's successful too wait maybe (laughs) yeah 
maybe, maybe we were wrong. We were maybe wrong. Was uh, wrong. It's just happening all over the place. So I think yeah. we're going in the right direction for sure. I really do. I really do. Yeah. I agree. And, uh, what's also nice too is that at least in this conversation and just what is going on in the mind is we're, we're looking out for the future. I'm thinking it's 20 years, 40 years, 50 years. Like, what are we going to do to survive and empower artists and do all these things? But like, we, we live in this like immoral capitalist life now. And yes. that's what we're, we're working with. And so even short term, what I like about blockchain is that we're in the society now and what's going to move forward and, and, and give us power to make improvements is financial security and getting wealth into artists immediately and yeah. having it in there. While I want to get these organizations going off and this further proof of stake and proof of value for the long term. But what I also like about blockchain now and why I want to get more artists into the space, not just as being part of the community and the conversation to help shape its future, is that there's a lot in there that can help you immediately to just get some more security. Yes. And and if there's one, if there's just one artist who, for one of the projects, like Drew and I are working on a ticketing, uh, a ticketing organization right now, just for example. But if there's just one artist who like didn't have to leave, who didn't have to leave the field, because yeah. they just had a little bit more stability, they were able to make it or make a little bit more change in this uh, capitalist economy. That's one more. That that's worth everything. That's, that's one God's more person work for real. Yeah, absolutely. I, I could not agree more. And I, I think that's the thing that's so different about blockchain is that because it revolves, it doesn't have to, but up until this point, it's revolved around money. And money is this weird, toxic thing in society that determines everything, but we're not really allowed to talk about it. And it's like shameful to talk about it. And it just feels weird and icky. And yet it's so essential. The fact that that's a cornerstone of the movement up until this point gives it this kind of like earthly significance that cannot be dismissed. It's like, mm -hmm. how many millionaires did Dogecoin mint because it was a goofy fucking joke? Like, we cannot let that power move through our fingers and not and not seize the moment. And I'll tell you that the that the original like the original kind of aha moment that that happened for me was was I bought I had seen do a Dogecoin I like bought some and in, in back in I guess it was 2017 with the first bump. Oh I hell yeah, bro! Oh yeah. Like, fractions of cents. Unfortunately, I I bought at the worst. It's been fortunate up until this point because now everything is so much beyond what it was. That was when Bitcoin was up at, I think, 20. And now yeah, it's like- that was huge. Down, but, that was yeah. huge. But, yeah, yeah like, so oh God, one Bitcoin? Was like, oh, yeah. and, now if, and now if it goes down to 35, people poop their pants. Yeah. They're like, what? How, <laughs> how far it's come. But like I bought it at 20. I, I, I bought my, I bought some, some ETH as well and some other things. Mm -hmm. And it promptly crashed. But I was just, so, so I knew a little bit about it, not much. And then there was this back in these past, like over the course of the last eight months, there's been this, this huge resurgence. resurgence. And I, I had been seeing Dogecoin around and I was like, I should buy some Dogecoin, I guess. But like I didn't. And so then I got a tip about a random altcoin that I bought 170 million yeah. tokens of for 150 bucks because I thought I would get lucky. They were like, it was just a rug pull and they were in their crap. But because I owned a bunch of the token... I started getting this messaging from the community. It was called Bonfire Token. I think it's just gone now. But went up and smoke. <laughs> yeah, literally. They, they, it was like they they pulled some shit for sure. But but when I when I got this token, the message was like, "Hold, we hold each other. We're a community. We hold each other cozy around the bonfire. Hold tight. We're in this together." And I was thinking to myself, like, you got a lot of balls 
calling us a community. I don't know anyone else who holds this token. <laughs> the only thing that we have in common is that we're hoping to get randomly rich on, on a lottery ticket, basically, because we bought it at the same time. That's the community. But the message that they were communicating was like, like the value comes from us holding strong together as a community. And that's when the root news revelation happened. We have a community. We have a community that's held together by something that's like eternally deep. We have a ritual that brings people together every day all over the country. Like that's an actual community. And that was, and, and that's, and that was where this like germ came from and it built from there. And actually it was funny because my my colleague Christos on the Group News team had been the first one to suggest yeah. or see the possibilities of blockchain newscoin like four years ago uh, and yeah. three years ago. Uh, and he like mentioned to me and I was like, oh, that sounds cool. But I get just like in one ear uh, out the other. And then I had this bonfire experience and I was like, oh, man, this is it. And for me, and like I say, it's it's an ongoing process to bring like people in the ecosystem around. And even if Group News doesn't decide, doesn't align in these ways, I'm still going to be working on this thing. I don't know how it'll manifest, but it just feels too important to, too to important. stand. It's just too fucking like, mm -hmm. it's a mission. What can I say? I wanted to wrap up, Sam. This has been, this, this is on part of like our conversation with Brian Lee. Like my conviction mm. and my understanding grows the more I talk about it and I'm happy to be mm. talking about it publicly. Speaking of which, like I talked to Trevor and and if you're still interested in doing a talk with group music again, like I would love to do that. Just because so the basics. Just for the basics. So the let's talk about basics, that. Dude. I wanted to address maybe or have you address like some of like maybe the common criticisms for it. we've we've delved into it but i think it's important that we do talk about this because this is a nascent technology that does have some deep problems especially when yeah. it comes to the environment yeah but i think it's moving so fast and it's changing so fast but people's education on it isn't keeping up so they they hold the same maybe outdated objections. I was wondering if you could maybe speak about that. Yeah, sure. Yeah, I think that like first and foremost, the environmental issue is I think pretty well resolved by the move, especially if Ethereum makes a successful move to proof of stake, which mm -hmm. like it will, like it, yeah. it seems assured that it will. Mm -hmm. Bitcoin will forever be a dinosaur. I don't buy. Bitcoin anymore. I think it's I, I think it's amazing because of the role that it played, but it's a dinosaur, and I can't abide by how wasteful proof of work is. Like it's it's not okay. It's just not okay. Proof of stake and whatever proof of consensus mechanisms are like in the pipeline. Like open ears proof of stake. I think it's brilliant and beautiful. And based on what I've read and what I understand, proof of stake is like ninety nine point nine five percent more energy efficient than proof of work. So like. That conversation has, I think, essentially come to a close if people just like can do a little research and, and assuage that concern. I think, quite frankly, there's nothing more important than that concern. We are the earth. Like the environment is us. Like we are fucked if we don't care about it. And the yeah. fact that for a lot of people, it's a stumbling block to me speaks to this kind of like values revelation that our entire uh, generation is undergoing. Yes. It is a stumbling block. We need to move beyond it. And we can because of proof of stake. And then for those reasons that I mentioned earlier, I do believe that cryptocurrency is the most ecological technology innovation that we could possibly have hoped for because it makes economic growth possible in a 
far more ecologically sound way than the typical bond stock of an institution model. So that's what I'll say about the environmental piece. In terms of the volatility, I think that we, t- we talked about that earlier as well. I think that you need culture to stabilize the value proposition. I yeah. think that when it's all based on, you need culture and you need ritual and you need integrity. And when it's all based on the caprices of the hype machine and like, of course it's gonna be boom and bust. It's gonna be frenetic as fuck. That's not inherent to the technology that speaks to our fractured, me- like the, the, the fractured psychology of our media machine. So if we can find use cases that tether the currency to like the deepest and most wholesome human rituals, like for example, a muse coin, another example that I think could be really amazing and I'm sure it's being experimented with is like a farm coin. If every, if every farmer's market in the country, instead of buying those like red, those, those green chips that you buy at the front of a farmer's market for accounting purposes, if you instead bought like Uh, like a quantity of farm coin, because that's the only thing that the vendors at the farmer's market would have. That is an asset that would grow in value and grow in value because think, is there a more durable ritual than people going to buy local healthy food? No, it's so, it's so basic. Right. That's it. And so nutritious eating, nutritious, nutritious eating, nutritious eating. And like the local food movement grows every year. It's unstoppable. And, and, and so that's another example of a, this is not about techno utopia. It's the opposite. It's about figuring out how this technology can make more robust and resilient and durable our lived realities, the things that, that connect us to our most ancient past, gathering for music, like paying the farmer for your local produce. So I, I, I think the knock on cryptocurrency being like vaporware and highly volatile is again, super well-founded. We have a society that is, that is based on far too superficial, like whims and cultural trends. We need to say, that's not inherent to the technology. That's how it's being used. What is your idea for a durable use case, for a resilient use case that is tied to ancient ritual, for example? So that, so that's what I would say about the volatility piece. And then in terms of empowering those who already have wealth and money, it's like that is happening. Like wealthy people are getting wealthier with, with cryptocurrency. Also, people who have never had wealth are getting wealthy with cryptocurrency. Both those things are true. And what's your alternative? What's the best machine for wealth accumulation and concentration in the history of the planet? The United States. Like <laughs> what we already have. What are you comparing it to? Could our situation get worse? I don't know. It's, it's worse than the Gilded Age already. So if there's something that is creating real resource generation in a more diversified and decentralized way, even if it also makes the richest richer, to me, it has to be a yes. It has to be a yes. Because at the end of the day, that's also part of uh, uh, cryptocurrency's magic power. The fact that actually capital can't resist a good return. It can't. And Bitcoin is the best performing asset in human history. So if Musecoin is like generating all of this wealth for musicians and is actually like having a good return, like quarter after quarter, like Goldman, JP Morgan, like they'll buy some. They can't resist they can't a good resist return. Yeah. And what does that do? It drives the price up even further. So, good. Up. Yeah. so if, if they're getting rich, okay, as long as musicians are getting rich too. Yeah. And yeah, yeah, and it fights against yeah. that scarcity mindset. It can just it can keep going up. We can all benefit. We can all benefit it's from it. Yeah, it's and the, and this and this kind of this abundant this abundance mindset, this values 
transformation that we are clearly all a part of, like it's been underway for decades now. Like we're there, the values are there. The problem is that the people who have good values don't have resources. So when people talk about what we really need is a values shift in our country, like the value shift is here. Like Black Lives Matter, that move, that protest movement in the wake of George Floyd's murder was the biggest protest movement in the history of the planet. Did it change anything from a, like a sub, like from a pol- like from a policy a level? A cop got convicted, bro. Whoa! Yeah, people in Japan dude. marched, and a cop got convicted in America, <laughs> dude. Like that's how fucked up it is. But it did change. Yes, it's yes. just so small. It's so small. So it's small. one so Shatoshi of change. <laughs> <laughs> and so it's so it's like the values are here. We've arrived. Our generation is woke in ways that our ancestors would never believe. Now we need a structure that can actually underpin those new values and 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 that kind of like abundance economics that makes that makes crypto possible is is it blows the doors open. Like if you if you if you buy an RSVP for five dollars worth of Musecoin at Group Muse, the idea is that actually you don't lose that money either. That's the crazy thing that, that it can just like it could just go on your account's wallet and maybe you don't pay attention, but then you go to a hundred Group Muses and you check back in and it's worth a few thousand bucks. Wait, how'd that happen? I thought I paid. It's a diff. It just completely breaks down our relationship with money in our scarcity minded zero sum capitalist world and says, actually, something new is possible here. We don't know exactly what to call it. We don't know what it means, but it seems pretty cool. It seems like a pretty big deal. It's It's happening. happening. The belief in blockchain is a belief in humanity. Like this is, this is what it's going to move it forward. And back to the first conversation that brought me into the space, Brian Lee, our our, our business partner and a faking fam member, but Mm. When describing all of these things and we're ideating on how can this fit into the musical landscape, how can this help people, is is this worth it all? Is is this going to have lasting power? And yeah. some of the things he's talking about, it's hard to describe to people and it's hard to envision because this is this is the first time we've ever going to be able, have been able to do this in human history to have connections globally beyond that, to be in charge, to have everyone be in charge in a in a practical manner he's like of course this sounds crazy yes. it is we've never se- we've never seen this before and so i've seen him like go through and he talks about like years of just doubling down doubling down doubling crypto leaving job and going in and working full time in for for one of these chains is that mm. he knows he's it's that 5 year mindset that 10 year mindset and that belief mm. that this this is it and and he wants to be part of the conversation it's the next big thing and he wanted us to be part of this conversation and we want everyone else to be part of this conversation because it's here. Let's steer the ship and be part of something that's never been done before. You know, it's also, it was also kind of crazy oil. <laughs> I yeah. was like, Whoa, it was also crazy. Electricity, like blockchain, the internet. <laughs> the internet. And, and it's, this is just the evolution of the internet. And so I'm wondering, and this is like my last thing, that I wanted to kind of like say in this conversation, this epic conversation. I've read a few books over the pandemic that have like changed my perspective on money that I think everybody should read. Yeah. Overcoming Under Earning by Brittany Stanny, I believe is her name. Mm. And another book called The Deficit Myth by Stephanie Kelton. Overcoming mm. Under Earning teaches you that Kind of what you were saying is money is not a concrete zero-sum game of things that like some people are destined to have and you aren't. 
No, right. it's like, how do you participate in a system to create value and then extract the value from that? Yeah. Now, in the way that the way the world has advanced is because more people have more instruments and technology to provide value to other humans in a way that never existed before. Before the internet, I couldn't play online and earn money. I had to be there. Before the internet, I couldn't put something on YouTube and get paid for it while I sleep by people right. watching it in another country. Yeah. Whereas I would have had to fly. So as technology develops, we all get more opportunities to build value to each other. And I think that blockchain is is a new technology that never existed before that's going to allow musicians to finally, finally build cultural, well, build capital by building culture. Yeah. Yes. And then culture doesn't have to be something that kind of exists at the margins, actual wealth is built in the, by the banks and the big industrialists. And like we allow culture to be like, uh, like at the margins because like we cut big checks for philanthropic purposes. Super important. Art philanthropy is super important. Not knocking that. But the fact that this kind of can change the dynamics such that actually, no, the culture and the creation can become the centerpiece. Because after all, it's what's made life worth living all along, all along. and that's its rightful mm -hmm. place at the center, mm -hmm. that that's a new era. That's a post, by my mind, that's a post-patriarchy era, if I am to say. I think it's big, and it's hyperbolic, but I'm a hyperbolic dude. For me, I think it's the most important innovation since the written word. I actually believe that. Mm -hmm. I, and the reason why I believe that is because the written word, by my mind, was like the start of patriarchy, not in a bad way, in a good way. It gave us all this amazing shit, but in a world of infinite change, writing something down makes it indelible. And it says, this needs to be remembered. This is not just gonna blow by like the seasons do. We're gonna put this down and we're gonna remember this. And we were never gonna put that genie back in the bottle. As amazing as an innovation as it is, it does have these problems. Like who gets to write? Who gets to keep the books? Who maintains the libraries? Hierarchy is built into that. But now we were never gonna put the genie back in the bottle. We can integrate beyond it because what blockchain means is that everyone keeps the records. Everyone can, can, can add to the records. We're all the librarians. And that to me is why from a spiritual perspective, I feel like it actually like brings like a, a, an epoch 5,000 years to a close and opens up the possibility for something totally new. And yeah, I'm just, I'm here for it a thousand percent. It's the new Library of Alexandria or whatever treasure Nicolas Cage found uh, <laughs> un under that <laughs> under that <laughs> church. <laughs> or whatever it was, um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but um, <laughs> something like yeah. that. <laughs> Sam Botkin, this is. I'm so excited combo. that you were able to come through on the Fake News podcast, and I'm so oh, excited yeah. to see you as part of this conversation and yeah. leading us forward into the future. So thanks yeah. again. Thank you guys. Bless y'all both. You're awesome. I'm so inspired right now that y'all are making this space and having these conversations. I, I It just feels so good. So here's to the next century. Yes, sir. See you hey, there. We'll have to bring you back once uh, once you drop, once, yeah. once, once the coin drops. So we'll yeah. stay stay in touch. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Hell yeah. Yeah. All right, All right my man. Dude. Thanks again. Peace. I'll, I'll talk I'll to talk you, Drew. Yourself. Yes. About, yeah, about uh, y'all joining for one of our conversations. That would be incredible. Yes, sir. Yes, sir.